second reading comes from Acts chapter 13. We're reading verses 13 to 52. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga then, they went to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness, and he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Saviour Jesus, as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you suppose I am? I am not the one you are looking for, but there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognise Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in the tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who travelled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is also stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. Now when David had served God's purpose, in his own generation he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed, but the one whom, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. 
Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you are not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts of Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you rejected and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honoured the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole reason, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook off the dust of their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Just a minor correction from my announcement before the uh, fundraising dinner for the Year 13s is this Saturday night. Apparently I said Friday, but it's definitely Saturday night. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Uh, if you have your Bibles there uh, or one of the Bibles from in the foyer, please keep it open at Acts 13. We're going to spend some time looking at that together now. And our regular practice here is to have question time after the sermon. So when uh, we finish, we'll have a song and then I'll get back up. And any questions that come up during the sermon, you can feel free to ask them then. But let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we do ask that this good news that Paul preached to the people of Pisidian Antioch those many years ago, that that will resonate in our ears today and that we will be convinced and convicted of the real goodness and the importance of this message. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. That's the high point of the speech that Paul gives in the city of Pisidian Antioch at this day in Acts that we just read. And isn't that good news? That is good news for all of us. It's good news that we need to hear. It's good news that others need to hear that through Jesus, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. And when Paul spoke these words in Pisidian Antioch these 2,000 years ago, this was breaking news. This was brand new front page headline news that people hadn't heard before. And it was literally world changing news. From this 
point, it spread like wildfire throughout the world and it changed the world because it was real news that really mattered. It seems to me that lately, as we look at the world around us and the news, we've been discovering that some things really matter, right? Some news is real news. I think we're so used to our news feeds being filled with personal interest stories and clickbait, as if the only things that matter are the things that I care about or the things that my news algorithm thinks that I care about. But more recently, there's been actual news, right? I don't know about you, but I've found that over the past two years, I've been paying a bit more attention to the news than I used to, and particularly the last few weeks. Yeah, the, the COVID news that has been occupying our headlines for the last two years, just this past week I noticed, was fourth on the list in my news feed. There's the, there's the war in Ukraine, there's the floods all around us, even the sudden and unexpected death of a sporting celebrity. These are things that are happening in the world around us and it's reminded us that all of a sudden there are significant things that happen in the world instead of just being told in my news feed about what the Kardashians had for breakfast or, you know, stuff that I don't really care all that much about. Every now and again we're reminded that some things really matter Some news is real news and we need to pay attention to it. And this news, the good news of forgiveness through Jesus, is always at the top of that list. But I wonder if that's how you think about the news of Jesus. I wonder if that's how you think about it for yourself and for other people. What kind of category of news does Jesus fit in, in your mind? Is it world-changing headline news Or is it more of a personal interest story? Maybe ask yourself, how do you expect people to respond when they hear this news? Indifference, maybe? Not really caring that much? You know, you have your thing, I have mine, that's nice for you, but I'm more interested in fishing or politics or model train sets, whatever it might be. When the message of Jesus came to the city of Pisidian Antioch, that couldn't have been further from the perspective that people had. The good news of forgiveness of sins through Jesus was news that really mattered. And if we're clear on that message, as Paul was on this day, it produces a real response, sometimes a negative response, sometimes joy, but a response nonetheless. And so we're going to spend a bit of time looking at this together again now. As I said, the high point of Paul's speech is that the message of Jesus is the good news of forgiveness. But the first part of that news and the first half of the chapter really from verse 13 to verse 37 is occupied with the fact that there is an empty tomb in Jerusalem. A tomb that should not be empty was now empty. That's the headline that Paul came to tell them. But the background to that news is painted on the pages of Israel's history. The story of Israel was the story of God's plan to bring a rebellious and chaotic world under the blessing again of God's good rule through a saviour. And so the first part of the speech in that first half of the chapter is Paul filling in the background of that story of Israel, that God chose Israel, that he put up with their bad behaviour, that he put up with their bad king and through them that he promised a saviour that he would send, a saviour in the line of King David. And the big news that Paul has to tell them is that that saviour has come. It's a guy named Jesus. Have a look at verse 23 with me. 
From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Saviour, Jesus, as he promised. Or again in verse 26. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. Or 32. We tell you the good news that what God has promised to our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. That's the news. There is an empty tomb in Jerusalem. The body of Jesus was meant to be in there, but it is not because he is alive. God raised him as the saviour that God had promised those so many years ago. That's the first part of the news. And the second part of the news is forgiveness. As I said, verses 38 and 39 really is the punchline of this speech that Paul gave on this day. Verse 38, he says, Therefore, friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you are not able to obtain under the law of Moses. So the first part, Jesus is risen to life from the dead as the saviour that God has promised. And the second part is the very personal difference that that makes for each and every one of us. Forgiveness of sins for you. And this is where it does get very personal for every single one of us. And for some of us, I know that those words, the forgiveness through Jesus, are like a soothing balm on a raw conscience, on the pain of past failures that cannot be undone. And it is such good news to know without a doubt that you can be forgiven. And the message of Jesus gives that confidence for everyone who trusts him. That is good news that I know many of us are crying out for, and maybe that's you. But you know, as I say that, it's important to remember that this news is not just for people who feel like they have a sensitive conscience or feel broken about their past failures. Forgiveness is not just about helping me to feel better about myself. It's about God forgiving me. You know, it's nice to feel forgiven, but it's even better to actually be forgiven. In our family, we try and make a a big deal about forgiveness, about forgiving each other when we've done the wrong thing to each other. When I've wronged someone, yes, I want to feel better about it, but more than that, I want them to forgive me and to have the restored relationship that comes from forgiveness. And how much more so when that person that needs to forgive me is God? So that God does not hold against me those things that he should. And so that I can stand before the judge of the earth and know without a doubt what the verdict is going to be when that hammer falls. Not guilty. Innocent. Forgiven. Some of us, as I said, will feel our need for that very personally. Some of us will know all too well that the the, the things that God should hold against me, it might be very public and obvious things, or maybe it's even private and hidden things. But whether it's obvious or not, and whether we feel it or not, we all need this. And so the wonderful news of Jesus is that forgiveness of sins is freely offered to you to everyone who trusts in him. And that we can't do that on our own. 
Again, in verse 39, it says, Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. And this is a justification that you cannot, you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Israel had tried this. God had given them every opportunity to live the good life that God has made us for. He gave them a good place to live. He gave them every blessing they could possibly need. He gave them his good laws to live by. And he said, live this way and you will live. But good laws are only as good as our ability to keep them. And that was the problem. They didn't. And neither could we. And that's why we need Jesus. Jesus has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And that is the news that Paul travelled the world to tell people. And it really is news. It's headline news. And it's good news. And notice also in the very next breath from verse 40 and 41 that this good news comes with a warning. Have a look at how Paul finishes his speech in verse 40 and 41. He says... Take care that what the prophets said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wander and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. This good news speech ends with a warning that God's judgment is coming. That's what those words mean. It's a a warning of God's judgment. Those words are actually a quote from the Old Testament from the prophet Habakkuk, who was warning Israel that God's judgment was coming on Israel, and it did. It came in the form of the Babylonians. The Babylonian army came and conquered them. And now Paul is saying God's judgment is coming again on the whole world, and you need to take refuge in the only place that you can. See, good news comes with a warning because it is a rescue. It is a refuge. It's like if the flood levels were rising and coming to your house and the SES turn up in a boat and knock on your door and they say, we're here to take you to safety. You, your family, your pets, you can get out of here. That's good news, right? But there's a warning there. You can't stay here. It's not safe. The water level is rising and you've got to get out. And you've got to get out now. Or again, imagine you're in Ukraine and the bombs are falling. And someone says, look, there is a bomb shelter. There is safety from the bombs. It's the only safe place. That's good news. But again, it comes with a warning. Get out of here. You know, in Habakkuk, those words that Paul quotes there, God's judgment was God's answer to the cries that people had of violence and injustice that was going on in Israel around them. They were saying, where are you, God? They were saying, when are you going to do something about this, God? When are you going to deal with it? And God did deal with it. He dealt with it in his judgment that came through the Babylonians. And that's what God will do in his final judgment too. He will answer every cry of injustice that we've ever made. He will put wrongs to right. And who's never heard someone cry out against injustice and violence that goes on in our world? Who's never cried out those words themselves? 
How can we not? How can we not look at what's going on in the news around us and in the world around us and in our lives around us and want God to do something about it? It's right for us to cry out to God about those things. And God will answer those cries. He has promised that he will. But the warning is that God's answer will be judgment on those things. Judgment on every wrong that has ever been done in the world, including every wrong that I have done and every wrong that you have done. And so we need the good news of forgiveness because that is the only refuge from God's judgment that is coming. And so the good news comes with a warning. This is something that we need to take seriously. It's something that every one of us needs to take seriously. If, so if you don't yet trust Jesus, if you haven't yet received the forgiveness that he freely offers, hear the warning and the good news and flee to Jesus. Forgiveness in Jesus is the only way that is good news and it matters. And as we think about this, I wonder whether the indifference that we often hear about the message of Jesus and maybe even that we feel about the message of Jesus is because we're not really speaking or engaging with or thinking about this message as clearly as we could be. We're giving the impression that Jesus really is just a lifestyle choice rather than front page world-changing news. I suspect that most people, if you were to ask them to put Jesus in a category of, of news, say, they'd put him in the diet and lifestyle section, you know, uh, change to a, to a, a gluten-free diet. You'll, you'll feel more healthy and, and have more energy. Or try this new mindfulness technique, you'll, you'll be less stressed. Become a Christian, you'll enjoy life more. It's a better way to live. I reckon that's the category that a lot of people would put Jesus in, whether they agree with us or not. And maybe that's how we think of it too. And of course, there is some truth in that. The God who made the world and who knows how we should live in it, of course, living his way is a better way to live. Yes, that is true. But that's not the good news of Jesus. The real news is the news of salvation through the forgiveness of sins, a rescue that we desperately need because God's judgment is coming. And if this news is as important as it is, then you would expect a significant response, wouldn't you? Whether negative or positive. And that's exactly what happened when Paul preached in the city of Pisidian Antioch. There were two vastly different responses and neither of them were indifference. There was a negative uh, rejection, jealousy, and there was joy. You notice the Jewish leaders were interested to begin with, but then they were blinded by their pride and jealousy. They see how popular the message of Jesus is and perhaps they also recognise the implications of what this means for them. This is a challenge to their self-righteousness. It's a challenge to their identity that they were finding in themselves. If anyone can have this, then their status and their identity that they currently enjoy, well, that's, that's under threat. And what a tragedy this was that these religious leaders refused to see the goodness of this message because they were so concerned for their own reputation. They were more concerned about their standing with the people around them than they were about their standing with God. 
And, you know, that's a reaction that is actually quite common. That we can be blinded by pride and jealousy. Blinded to the goodness of Jesus. Because forgiveness through Jesus is offered to everyone on exactly the same basis. And that is a challenge. It strikes right at the heart of my own pride, of my own identity in whatever it is that I think makes me feel significant. Because it says you need forgiveness, just like everyone else. And so one reaction to Jesus is to put up a shield that says, no, I don't want that, I don't need that, and oppose it. And so we shouldn't be surprised when this happens, if we are clear about the message of Jesus. And maybe even sometimes we find ourselves having that same reaction. That we put up a shield against this message of Jesus. That's one response. Opposition. The other one is joy. And I reckon it's pretty easy to see why joy should be a reaction to this kind of news. The joy of forgiveness. That I can stand, that you can stand completely open in God's sight. Absolutely confident that he accepts me and forgives me. The joy of being a child of God and knowing that he welcomes me to himself, that he loves me despite all of my wrongs, all of my failures. The joy of knowing that my future is secure, that even death cannot harm me because I have eternal life in Jesus and I could go on. And if you've forgotten the joy of this good news, then make sure you come back to this message. The, the gravity of it, the hugeness of it, the goodness of it, and, and, and let it sit with you. Dwell, dwell deeply in it. The message is good news. But I think for these people on this day, there was a particular reason why it was good news for them. Because they hadn't yet realised that it was for them. They thought it was just for the Jews. And now Paul is saying to everyone, no, it's for you. It is for everyone who believes. And I wonder if there are people around us or maybe even you who haven't yet realised that this is for you. People who think that their sin is worse than other people's or who everyone else looks down on. We need to remember the breadth of God's promise through Jesus. That it's not just for the respectable sins of respectable people, but it is for everyone who puts their trust in him. And that is a reason for joy. And so I wonder if I could just finish now with a question. And that is, do you have clarity about what this good news of Jesus is? Clarity for yourself and clarity as you speak to other people. For yourself, do you know that this is the best news that you could ever need? And does it bring you joy to know that you have forgiveness and eternal life through trusting Jesus, that no one can ever take that away from you because you are forgiven and accepted and safe in God's hands? And for other people, as you think about the people around you and as you speak to them, are you clear that this is what they need, that Jesus is not just a personal interest story. Clear enough that they would have more than just an indifferent reaction to Jesus. Maybe they will have a negative reaction, but maybe they will be filled with joy 
because they can discover, maybe for the first time even, that this good news of forgiveness through Jesus is also for them. And maybe you can be the one to tell them. The wonderful news of forgiveness through Jesus will produce different reactions in different people. What we need is the clarity of what that news really is and the courage to speak it clearly. And I don't know about you, but that's a challenge that I find personally. And so I think we should pray that each one of us do have this clarity and this courage to speak it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this really is good news. Uh, It changed the world in so many ways, but it changes eternity for everyone who puts their trust in Jesus. And so we ask that you'll help every one of us here and even those who are not here, uh, those around us, those that we think of, those that we haven't even met yet, that they will know and understand and trust this good news of forgiveness through Jesus. Father, help us to know it, help us to trust it, help us to find joy in it. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.